Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Moth and Her Moon. When Rebecca and I first talked about the making of this podcast, I immediately thought of my friend and fellow yoga teacher, Holly. And Holly was gracious enough to let us interview her about her journey with yoga. And three hours later, and a couple of cups of coffee and maybe even some wine, uh, we had an incredible conversation filled with wisdom. And so this episode is from our first interview, actually, our very first episode, um, where we spoke with Holly. This audio is from that exact same interview. Today, we are going to be talking about the first limb of yoga, which is the yamas. Um, And the yamas um, are basically kind of a a code that um, we follow in yoga. Um, And we always are speaking about how yoga is so much more than poses. Yoga is so much more than just the asana. Asana is only one limb. So today we are going to delve into the world of yamas and I hope you enjoy. Interesting. Have you imagine that you start with the hymnza and you start with the intention. Let's start with that word again because it's perfect. Mm-hmm. The yes. intention to move through life without causing intentional harm okay you cannot move through life without causing harm it is impossible uh you will stand on ants and you will hurt (laughs) other people um and other people will hurt you um but it's it's the intention to do not move move through life not intentionally harming um anyone including yourself and that's the hardest part um yeah the hardest part so we start there now to be the next layer is satya, which is truthfulness. Um, so yeah, being honest. And that can be as simple as like, yeah, not telling lies, but it's also being honest with yourself and being honest with others about how you feel. Like honest about yourself, like what your emotions are. Um, like it was that thing again, I went back to like your daily practice, that self-awareness of just being like, you know, looking at yourself. That's massively what satya is, you know? Like, and you know, that's part of the non-harming like to non-harm like you being truthful with yourself does this is this is this good for me am i doing this for the right reasons and um and why am i doing this to someone else why do i feel about this it's a massive self-awareness thing and yeah being honest in speech is a big part of it as well um again you can pull this into your asana practice um a lot and it just builds on the non-harming completely like with the truthfulness like it it works in yin a lot you know with that thing of like am I really holding back or am I telling myself I'm holding back when I'm not (laughs) because we do that to ourselves all the time so it definitely comes down into that competition thing as well it's like why am I doing that am I doing this for the right reasons blah 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 blah. kind of layers on top um so yeah two super 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 important um and then we have oh my gosh my third Estaya. Estaya. <laughs> I was like oh my god what's this <laughs> um, the third testing if we are you. looking at truthfulness right and yeah. we are asking ourselves those uncomfortable questions um what and we we don't like the answers we're coming up with I mean yeah. we 
where, what is the, what is the, the yogi medicine in that? Like what, where is our step in that? Is it just recognizing that I wasn't truthful to myself or, or where, where do I make amends with myself in, in, in that uh, revelation? It's, it's, it's definitely like everything kind of all molds into one in its constant journey and process as we spoke before but it's massively about having that acceptance that we all every single one of us has a darker side to us that we all have it and that we are not perfect beings and we never will be we're never going to be all light um so it's about connecting with that and accepting that and being okay with it and not beating ourselves up about it because that's when we go further into that dark place so it's I think that's a massive thing is like you know you've already done an amazing thing by looking at it right if you have done something and or you've pulled something up that you're like oh I don't like that about myself I'm going to look at it and I'm going to try and work on it amazing you are doing a bloody great job sorry if I'm not allowed to say bloody uh, <laughs> that's a very that's a very uh, British swear word uh, you did a great <laughs> it's not even that sweary is it so it's a very British as well. I was like oh sorry if I can't say bloody um, <laughs> we're, we, we Americans are like oh look at that that's so cute oh that's great yeah I didn't even I didn't know that that was a swear word I thought it yeah, was just a word. A word no it's a swear word so um yeah well you're doing a bloody great job but there you go that's so British um and you are though it's just like that's that's incredible and you need to and it's like there's obviously a balance because, and this is another thing, we're always on this teetering balance of being like hitting into too much ego, being like, you're doing an awesome job. And then being like, I'm amazing. It's like, you don't want to go that far. <laughs> so it's hard because you're constantly balancing yourself. But yeah, give yourself a break because you've already done a massive step of the work. Okay. And there's so many people that don't, that do something that makes them feel uncomfortable or, or and they're just like, yeah. I'm going to sit in this and I'm going to, you know, but not in a good way. Like they're, they're enjoying the, the bad or they're like perpetuating that. So you're already doing the work by looking at it and recognizing that it's a negative action. Beautiful. Yes. Um, and so Asaya, oh, sorry. Did you want to say something before? I nope. Up? I was just going to say, so then moving on to the next one. So you're already there. We're good. <laughs> Astaya or Staya. Um, I would also like to say uh, that my pronunciation of things might not be perfect. Um, I'm Scottish, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I try. Yes. Um, and I love this one. Okay, because Me everyone too. goes no yeah, I love it. Uh, I, I feel like people go, oh, non-stealing. Well, that's easy. I just don't go. To yeah, the of course. Talk about <laughs> it's like. Well, that's part of it, but it's more, so for me, Saya is about not stealing your own happiness away from yourself or your own Ooh. happiness away from others. Because like we, and this is where the ego part comes in. We are constantly stealing our own happiness away from ourselves by not finding that gratitude, not finding that com contentment. So we're constantly wanting more or we're constantly looking at somebody else's life and being like, yeah. that's what I want. Instead of looking at the good that we have in our life and being like, oh my God, I'm so lucky. Um, mm -hmm. And like, I don't even know you both that well, um, especially, especially you, Rebecca. Rebecca. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, like, we are all come from privilege, all three of us, you know? And um, it's like, 
looking at other people's lives and being like, oh, I wish I had that, and then feeling sad about our own because we're jealous or envious of someone else's, it's like, oh, my God, look at what you have and cherish it. Um, so, yeah, I, love that. I, I really find that that's how it works for me. It's about not stealing your happiness away from yourself and not stealing away from others by making someone feel bad um, for their you know, achievements or their goals because of your own jealousy. Because I think that happens a lot. That's such a good way to apply it. How I applied it, it was totally different. But now I'm also going to use that way to apply it as well. But I always thought of it, well, I largely, something that is like new that I feel like after I learned about Estella, I started thinking about more. And I just said it earlier too. I was like, I don't want to like, I don't know how much time you have. I always think about it as like stealing time. Um, stealing away people's time or stealing their like and I feel like stealing someone's time or just being respectful of their time is that something that like I largely did before because I was like oh yeah like who wouldn't want to sit on a zoom call and like talk about all this stuff all day like I want to do that but you know who knows (laughs) but who knows if Holly has you know infinite amount of time like you want to be respectful of their time and also in the age <laughs> in the age of social media i think about it as like so i sometimes fight with people on social media and <laughs> and you're the only one who can relate to yeah. that i've never done that ever sometimes never. i will comment back and forth with somebody with your aunt or with your somebody on your commenting on your local news station or whatever it is right commenting and in all capital letters perhaps <laughs> possibly and you but you have to think like sometimes I think like am I really trying to is this really meaningful conversation or is it just me wasting this person's time am I just and your own time yes and my own time Ooh. and you have to and you have to think about that, especially when using social media. I have to think, am I stealing away my own time, stealing away their time for something yeah. that, you know, maybe, maybe we just don't need to do that. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it is. I think it's. Not, a, yeah. Maybe that's not part of their path. That's not part of their journey right this moment. Right. And I think yeah, it's I mean, important to bring, you know, to speak up about things. And I think it's important to speak out against like social justice issues and you know other things um however a facebook argument is not going to change someone's mind and at the end of the day the only way like if you can sit down with someone if you if you like person to person meet someone that says something and you're like hey you know what you said i don't agree with it i have some ideas with it would you fancy sitting down and having a conversation with me about it and if that person's like no then it's like okay because you don't have a right to to change their opinion you want to but they have to and also you're not gonna be able to change their opinion if they're not willing so if they don't want to hear it then if anything you're just going to spur them on further Mm -hmm. yeah crazy (laughs) non-capitalist has been going on about like bad capitalism and i love capitalism even more now (laughs) (laughs) right you can there is definitely a thing that can just 
solidify their beliefs even further. So sometimes it's so counterproductive, but that's how I usually have always. And before Mm. learning the yamas and the niyamas, I feel like I was very like, like I said, like, why wouldn't Holly and Rebecca just want to talk to me all night about all of this yoga stuff? Like I want to do that. So why wouldn't they want to do that? You know, or you know, why can't I, mean, I, I just, do, but... <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I do, so we can do this all evening if you want. The pup so on that's... the couch might have to go to the bathroom eventually, <laughs> but that's all right. We can all let it, we can all do a dog <laughs> let out break. <laughs> so that's, that's what I love. I love your application though so much. And I will definitely use that as well. I find yours very interesting as well, but this is why I do love to talk about this stuff because I feel like when you start to like kind of the the yamas and the yamas are very um very open for interpretation. Um, you know they have a basic base, and then it's kind of up to you what you do with that. Um, and I think like so much like I've seen loads of interpretations. I'm just like yes. So I feel like everyone goes down a nice road, but like um, it's so nice to hear other people's interpretations because they fit in as well. And it's like, oh yeah, it's that constantly learning thing and like how you can learn from, because everyone's got different brain processes through so many different reasons. So yeah, it's really, really nice to hear other people's Love it. So as as an outsider to some of this, um, so in like in Judaism there, is are there are you know books uh where people have put down their own interpretations and it's it's collected and it's it's in one place so people can have diverse conversation back and forth about well what does this mean and it doesn't should we stand should we sit when should we practice this when should we not is there a collection of sorts of like almost like uh, canonized uh, literature that talks about some of these interpretations of the yamas and niyamas? There's not really a collection as such. There's like, um, I mean, there's many different translations. So if you imagine, like, obviously they were written in um, Sanskrit, so in like a ancient language, um, that can be, when you translate it, um, it's very, it's very basic words. So then lots of people then translate that into a sentence, you know, and there's many different translations of, say, like the sutras, which are by Patanjali, um, um, which we kind of brushed on. So a lot of this basically comes from Patanjali's uh, yoga sutras and a lot of people has translated them. So there's many different translations. Um, however, they kind of come separate. So it's not really like a collection of what people think. So no, I don't think, I don't think there's a collection of them. I don't think so. Which is set from, you know, just the wild internet, the wild west that is the internet, which can be a scary place, let's be honest. <laughs> Maybe not always our most reliable source, but yeah. yeah. It's but get your opinion. It's get your opinion, not facts, you know? Like, you, you definitely yeah. get a widespread of opinion that can inspire and enrage all at the same time. Yes, it might be our first exactly. step towards coming up with a more solid answer yeah. down the There's road. There's a lot of um, scriptures and, like, yoga scriptures and stuff, but, yeah, with the, when it comes to the yamas and the yamas and the kind of translations, it's definitely more like a kind of separate thing that you need to kind of find out yourself. Um, but, yeah, it's maybe a very interesting, that's a really interesting idea, though, to have, like, a book that is, you know, different people's interpretations of the yamas and the yamas. You should do that. 
someone <laughs> do that book. That was a great idea. Oh I have way too much on my plate. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, imagine. Rebecca, I'm get on it. A podcast. Yeah, you're on it. Uh, we're, we're handing it over to you. We'll be in it. <laughs> Make appearances. Okay. The- so, oh, wait, so yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say the next one I want you to do because, <laughs> because I struggle with this one a little bit sometimes. Okay. So, brahmacharya, um, which basically means celibacy. And I think it's really important that we do honor that because, um, it can be used, like, it can be adapted, but the basic thing is celibacy. Okay. It's that it's conservation of that particular energy of that kind of sexual energy because it's very very strong, um, and it's very more specific I'd say towards men, um, because this was mainly way 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 back more kind of directed in that way, um, and when you look into certain practices, it's just shown that that is a massive release of um, vital energy. And that um, they kind of believe that to hold on to that energy um, is like a conservation of vital energy in their bodies. That is the direct translation. And, and it is important that's honored because what I will then go on to say is how I use brahmacharya. But I think the direct translation, well, the direct, what it meant in the beginning needs to be honored because a lot of people obviously just don't want to be like, no, I didn't mean celibacy because I like sex and I just don't, why want to ignore that? Um, and I'm with that, but you have to honor that that's what it meant originally. However, it is about conservation of energy. And we, these were written thousands of years ago. So, you know, we have to realize that with all religions and practices obviously yoga is not a religion but um religion has a lot of kind of similar things like this where you have like rules or you know ideas mm-hmm. to follow to live a kind of healthier happier life and blah, blah blah so um they have to evolve and i think it's important that you can like you say make um yoga attainable to all and all parts of yoga attainable mm-hmm. so for me brahmacharya i always say it's like yeah I focus on the thing of the conservation of energy, right? Mm. And um, I think it's, for me, I try and use it in a way where it's like, um, just putting my energy in the right place. Um, I'm someone that um, wants to do everything. I'm also someone that very much um, puts a lot of myself into others. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be very, very draining. I don't always look after myself. Mm-hmm. And um it means that I can end up completely with a, well, we always had in our yoga school, this kind of empty cup kind of analogy Like you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. And it's very much that it's like when you are not uh, conserving your energy or topping your energy up, then you will run yourself into the ground and you won't be able to give. Um, so it's really important that you are looking after you and create and, and coming from a place where you are full because then what you give people is more worthwhile um, and that's how I translate Mamatalia personally that conservation of energy um, and so where where you give energy but also not just conservation of energy itself but what energy you allow in so like you know it's like it's it's that kind of having that filter if you imagine yourself as you know a cell in a plant and you've got some osmosis going on, and uh, <laughs> I'm 
reminding me. They're some high school biology. Yeah, making myself sound way cleverer than I am. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Osmosis. Yay. Uh, no, <laughs> but just, you know, like imagine, yeah, like you want to have a filter. You want to filter what you put out and filter what you allow in. And mm-hmm. um, for me, that's what Brahmacharya is in my translation and the way I have found to use it because um celibacy is not something I choose to do yeah Yeah. I think that's why I struggled with it because I was like oh celibacy okay we'll just we'll just get past that (laughs) you know what I mean you know and it's like (laughs) oh well I'm just I'm not going to be celibate so I can't use that it's like no you know like how can you use it how can you use it yeah Right. How can you apply it in yeah, exactly. in a way that's like effective it. to your life? For sure. I love that. I love that interpretation. And the next one, the next one, I don't know if you want to comment on anything, Rebecca, before we move to the next one. Please. I know. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, You're like just writing good. my notes here. Just well, I, my am, notes. I am. I'm writing my notes. I, I actually think back to um, fellow podcasters, the liturgists, because they are a group of Christian kind of deconstructionists. Mm-hmm. And um, I listen to them. I still listen to them. They're great. Shout out to the liturgists. Love it. Um, uh, but I remember one time when they had on their show, um, Jamie Lee Finch. And Jamie Lee Finch is a religious trauma survivor. Um, and she talks about how she deconstructed her faith and found her way into um, the, I don't know, found the, the religious roots of her ancestors. And so she actually considers herself a sex witch. And, uh, and she talks about using your sexual energy, um, and different practices, um, that, uh, that, that there is an energy, there's a sexual energy, um, and, and how can you use that energy to bring about, um, the things that will help you become again, your most authentic self. And so I was, I was just thinking about that of like, yeah, there is, there is something to this and it's something that we've known forever. And while, while society itself has changed, while our, you know, viewpoints, what uh, relationships look like and what our standard roles are in relationships may have shifted over time, that primal, piece that says there's something to this at some level there is life there is energy being exchanged here or given up solely into the world what 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 does that look like and so i i just tied into that i was like i'm (laughs) right and 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 as again the first time i i saw that i was like a sex switch what is this right well this might not go in this might not go it took me a hot second and a half to think, do I even want to, do I want to know? Jamie Lee Finch, I love it. We're coming for you. You're going to be on our podcast. <laughs> love it. Um, but yeah, like, I think it's so interesting because, okay, I'm going to say something that might not be in the podcast, but I'm just going to come out with it. Oh, so yeah. If you imagine, <laughs> it's getting gritty now. Um, okay, so if you imagine that, like, I think that this is particularly... Uh, Please correct me, anyone, if I'm wrong, but this was specifically directed to male yogis because um, 
there is many beliefs and many different traditions that um, the male exchanges semen because they're actually giving a part, a physical part of themselves yes. that they have created within themselves out, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, is an expulsion of themselves, okay? It's an actual expulsion of energy, right? And you know, after a man <laughs> orgasm, they're generally like, oh my God, I am so sleepy. I'm going to have a nap. <laughs> and- hard work, right? I'm, I'm goodbye. Yep. Good night. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just like, okay, I roll over, fall asleep. Um, however, generally for a woman, like, first of all, we are not giving a part of ourselves over. Mm. And for me, and what a lot of people have, well, a lot of traditions, a lot of other things to say, is that for women, it's the opposite. It is a build of energy. Because it's it's because normally someone will normally I say normally for many women they will have an mm-hmm. orgasm and that will make them be like okay I'm done they'll be like uh, when's the next one coming so yes yes absolutely beautiful yeah <laughs> so it's a build of energy so I feel like for me with Ramacharya I understand when it is directed in a male way and there are lots of traditions that are like that that conservation thing especially for men is way greater um because yeah they are giving they are literally handing over life it's not like we have an orgasm and we give someone an egg you know it's like oh here have one of our eggs it's like they're going no, no, no way. it's like they're, it's just like it's insane and for us it's just like a build a build a build a build a build so for me sex is a way of um creating energy feminine energy powerful energy um so i think it's very different for women than it is for men so that's why celibacy wouldn't work in the way that i do things and what what i love about that is again i think that harkens back and i'm not sure that we necessarily talked about it but i feel like the theme has kind of surfaced perhaps a little bit so far in our in our conversation today is that that piece again that was directed to male yogis thousands of years ago does not fit moi that that concept right that was that was penned with with a, a beautiful uh, respect towards life and energy mm-hmm. and the conservation of it that it that doesn't fit me so that's yeah. not what's that's that doesn't apply and if I choose to actually apply that to me mm-hmm. I keep myself from the energy Mm-hmm. that I could be building up within myself. And so I'm continually depleting or not energizing my own body, my own yin. Yeah. And so because of that, I'm actually, by observing that rule, I'm actually not observing it because I am giving up my energy. And I love that, that it can be the same thing, but it's in not observing it in the way that it was written that I actually can become more observant of it I love that yes 
That's a great way of it. That was beautiful. Well, that was lovely. <laughs> that was so nice. Love it. That was just such a good little circle, right? <laughs> this is fascinating. I have never thought of it like that. And I'm just over here like, oh, also, this is fascinating. Say, if you're going to get angry at capitalism, we might be getting a little bit feminist here. But just like men have been stealing orgasms away from us for thousands of years. Let's not continue that, shall we? Yeah, thank you. Oh! <laughs> yes! The husband. No, no, I, 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 yes, I think that that, and, and, and what does that say when entire generations of women are told that they do not have the right to tap into their own energy? I think that's that's like a negative thing. Like, oh my God. It's the worst. It's the worst. We are constantly told that we are not allowed to harness that. And it's the most natural thing in the world. Men can do whatever the hell they want. They are totally allowed to do all that. But women, no, you must not. You must be polite and well-behaved and very innocent. But also look hot. Yes. Most (laughs) importantly, right? Most importantly. Yes. But I think maybe it's because that is such a powerful energy, you know, that it it has had to... Yes. Mm-hmm. Which, yes. Which, yes. which brings us to the next about oh. men stealing our orgasms. It's one after the next. Ugh. Which brings us to the next. I'm so tired. I'm so intrigued. This is a linking in. Okay. Um, so we're going into a parigraha. It's my favorite. My favorite too. Um, so non-attachment, uh, non-grasping, non-hoarding, um, and yeah, it can span just so many things. So like non-greed, non-greed, yeah. So we can go with the basics. I start with like the basic, like the very obvious ones and the material things. It's like you know, so not like you know, senselessly buying things you don't need, um, not like hoarding things, like. I, I, I've never, I can't even remember what her name is. What's the person that's like, does this bring you joy? Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo. Yes. Like, I need to Marie Kondo my life. Yes. Like, don't get me wrong. Right. I was like, I've never, I've never even watched it, but it makes a lot of sense. It's like, you know, yeah. does this bring you joy? It doesn't? Well, get rid of it. And she never says, like, you have to, like, she never says you have to live a completely simple basic like existence but it's just like surround yourself with things that like bring you joy and don't like buy senseless crap greed non-greed so don't um hoard things. like don't like you need to keep things from others like um so yeah sharing um not having ownership over things like this is mine um it's like well why can you not share sharing etc um non-attachment for me is just like huge though I always bring it into like kind of personal life stuff with like I think one of the best examples I have for it is like imagine that you're splitting up with someone you're in a relationship and you're breaking up with someone and you do not want to let that person go okay you're just like no I don't want to let that person go I don't want to let but why if you stay together, is that person going to be happy? Yeah. Are you going to be happy? Are you atta- are you holding on to that attachment because you're wor- you're jealous about who they're going to be with? 
are you holding on to that attachment for like what why is it it's all negative reasons um and it's about um it's about learning to like sever that and know that nothing really belongs to you like nothing is that like not even your body belongs to you really because you is a concept we're not going to get into that a little bit too deep <laughs> but you know it's like nothing really belongs to you so it's having like that like, be able to move through life knowing that um if especially with people for me this is huge it's like if someone chooses to be in your life beautiful um if they choose not to be in your life that's it. That's it. That's a tie broken. It's like you don't have ownership over anyone. Um, that's the biggest way that I use a paragraph in my life because, yeah, I, I, I am that person. I'm a massive attachment person. I attach. It's one of the things that I have to work on myself with all the time. I attach myself to people and I can see it's in a negative light and I can see that I am holding on too tightly um and um it's something it's so hard for me to like pull myself back from but it's really something important to look at and Tiana I really want to hear what you have to say on this one because I'm sure it's very different from me (laughs) well I also am a big attachment person too just in that sense so I agree um but I think that this was like the first yama that like, I really like kind of (laughs) gravitated to. Oh, I was going to say like attached to, but like gravitated (laughs) to (laughs) Um, like the one that I, I really like. That's like the ultimate Freudian slip as well. (laughs) Right. Sweatshirt. I think we might, it might be a little niche for some people, but I would like to see a sweatshirt made that, Uh, that's your favorite one (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah no I am really a big attachment to person too and I I think that a lot of like happiness can come from exercising this yama and a lot of not even happiness but just like contentment Um, I think it's impossible to be content when you are having those attachments Um, and it doesn't and something that I struggle with is like, well, if I'm not attached to somebody, then like, how do I know that I love them? Or like, how do I know that I, or like, how do they know that I love them? If I'm just like, oh yeah, you can leave at any moment and I'll just be fine. So it's the opposite because that is the love. Exactly. You love someone, it's like, whatever you do that is right for you is fine by me because I love you. As soon as it's like, I only love you if you're with me, then you realize that that love is toxic. Yeah. Yes. And that's it. That's it for Yamas. I, I that's love it. That. That, it. It's like a continual circle. I love that. Yeah, I, I, yeah that they, they do. They're like I like to call them slices of the pie. Like they're like they're all they're all a delicious dessert on their own. Um, but they they are one of a whole pie. I'm really bad at analogies. Can you tell? Um, that's a great one. I, I'm actually thinking about pie now, and I was like, yeah, I know me too. I'm like. And also realistic, right? For me to eat an entire pie in one sitting, right? So like I can have like a little nibble of each slice, right? But it's probably not something without a lot of training, I guess. That like I I can't just sit and do the whole pie. It's gonna be really hard. Maybe a better analogy though is like it's a it's a cake. So it's like it's like all the ingredients of a cake 
because because they do like you start off with something really basic and you do start with this one but you can't do the next one without doing the first and you can't do the one after that without doing the first one like you cannot practice non-attachment without being truthful to yourself without recognizing the non-harming without the you can't do that without all the rest of them so it definitely is this kind of like amazing layer upon honestly the more you dive into the yamas and yamas the more amazing they are the more like you can just read so much like that i said like reading up of what other people's ideas of them are and just like kind of like investigating them yourself like um writing about them and just like what you think they can mean like using certain words and just like expanding expanding from that it's like a really amazing practice um and it's they're all very simple concepts where they're all concepts that really um pull up something bigger within everyone if that makes sense yeah Uh, so holly how do you you know again because one it builds off of the next. How do you yourself or you advise your students of like how I'm a person if it's not like in front of me, right? If it's not something that I'm seeing or actively engaging in, I forget about it, right? So is there a way that you like symbolize these, the yamas and niyamas in your life to like, trigger that like oh I need to be doing this or is it maybe not necessarily a symbol but like a a refraining from a symbol does that make sense yeah I do understand but Mm -hmm. I think it's something that's like like we have to be honest that like yoga as a whole it's work it is it's not something that even though I'm like making a daily practice is easy because you can do all these little things it's still work it's still like mm-hmm. takes time and energy and effort um you know this isn't meant to be easy and the thing with like the yamas and the yamas is that you need to constantly go back and look at them like you know I said to you like okay so imagine there's eight limbs in the in the yoga craft and the last limb is samadhi so it's the last limb is enlightenment and people are like oh I got there and there it's like no 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 Every single day, you need to start from one and go all the way through. That doesn't mean you're going to hit every single one every single day, but like you need to constantly go back. It's not that you're like, okay, I completed the yamas. I completed them. I'm on to the next level. I'm like, yeah, check. Mario, I'm on to the next level. I ate some mushrooms. Everything's great. Um, No, it's not like that. So it's like, okay, so it's like, you constantly have to go back and look at them. It was amazing for me is I often thread them into my classes. I love threading um, yogic philosophy into my classes, especially my yin classes and my restorative classes, because I normally do my yin class and where I spend the first like 10, 20 minutes of kind of talking through the idea of how we're going to move it through the class. And then the rest of it, we spend in kind of quiet contemplation and blah, blah, blah. But um, it's not only good for my student I hope um but it's great for me because I'm constantly revisiting them because every time I come back to them something new comes up so like you know I, I do a class plan and then maybe the next time I do a class plan for a paragraph I'm like oh you know what? I just thought of this amazing idea that makes so much sense to me and it helps me grow it helps me discover something else so it's like I, part of my practice is 
is the teaching and not maybe not even maybe in the moment but just the, the designing of the classes and stuff it's like makes your mind roll and yeah it's something that you do have to consciously come back and look at like that is the main thing of yoga practice is that we we as humans can fall down the rabbit hole and just float off into mindless existence way too easy so we have to constantly bring our awareness back to ourselves every single day because if we don't do that then we are Alice in Wonderland you know seven stories tall stomping through I'm just talking nonsense now but you know what I mean (laughs) totally get it I think that's so important to always go back to the first one and then move through it is like the most beautiful way to state it we hope that episode is as transformational for you as it was for us in a future episode we will dive into the niyamas which are the second limb of um, yoga and holly will join us on that episode as well Until then, fellow journeyers, much love and grace on your flight.